Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, I'm recording this discourse in a beautiful forest near a town called Retvik in the Dalarna province of Sweden. I wanted to record it prior to the vicar at the Zawiya tonight because I'd like to take the opportunity to sort of have a final say of a series of discussions I had with various people in the Zawiya over the last week. And these discussions had been precipitated by uh, as sort of uh, some disturbances that were based on a slide in discipline, which is not unusual. It very it happens frequently when I'm away for a while. That um, uh, the practices start to suffer, that people are not as diligent with their salah. And I think the first thing we need to understand is that this, the, these sorts of events are, are, are not at all surprising or even particularly distressing because we're dealing with the human condition. And we're dealing with the fact that all of us as human beings struggle with the distinction between doing things because we have to and doing things because we want to. Uh, and clearly, when we're doing things because we have to, then we only do them insofar as we know that uh, uh, there's, there's authority at hand. When we feel that uh, we're no longer being watched and there isn't authority at hand, then our discipline uh, slides. And I've often told people and I've been sort of disappointed that people uh, are not as diligent with the Salah, for example, when I'm away, by pointing out to them that, you know, you're not doing Salah for me. You're doing Salah... I mean, who are you doing Salah for? I mean, you know, it's, you know why is it that it slides when I'm not around? And so I'd like to suggest that we need to go sort of examine a little bit the purpose if you, of Salah, if you like the meaning of Salah, and um, why when one does Salah, hopefully you get to a point where you do it for the joy of doing it. You're not doing it uh, just to please somebody else or to please some authority. I recently was reminded of um, um, of a, uh, uh, something which Carl Jung, C. G. Jung, had written in the twenties or the thirties, rather, um, relating to a Hopi um, medicine man or shaman that he had met on a trip to the United States. And this man that he spoke to said, 
that um, he was he was uh, that the rituals that they engaged as the Hopi uh, helped the sun over the sky during the day. And the man reported that if they, the Hopi didn't do this ritual, then this would be disastrous, not for just for the Hopi, but for all, all created beings. Uh, Jung pointed out that this person who he spoke to had an immense uh, sense of gravitas and, and sort of happiness about it about him, that uh, would set him apart from a normal city-dwelling person. It is clear that his life was meaningful because his life was concerned with ushering the sun over the sky. This man also reported that the American state was trying to uh, uh, suppress this uh, ritual practice of the Hopi because they obviously considered it to be primitive and not Christian or whatever the reasons would have been in those days, in the 30s. Uh, but the medicine man said he was confused about this because didn't these people understand that the work that the Hopi did for the sun was for all beings, it wasn't just for them. That the very Americans who were trying to suppress this were also the beneficiaries of this. So there is this idea that our worshipfulness enables things to happen. And this is an old idea, and it gets expressed anthropologically in all sorts of uh, different manifestations. We know that Allah only created us, only created creation in order to be worshipped. The purpose of existence is worship. The purpose of existence is to both witness and bear witness to the Rabb's splendor. That's why it is there. Uh, which means that a person who is worshipful is a person who vindicates existence. As human beings, we are the, at the apex of this creational drama, as far as we know. So the ones who, if you like, bear the burden that not even the mountains would accept, we are the ones who vindicate existence. Our worshipfulness basically is the cause for all things having happened. And it also suggests that if our worshipfulness isn't there, then there's no reason for things to be. Then things will end. Uh, I can remember ma many years ago, the, uh, the, uh, uh, somebody in the Marabitun, I can't remember who is it, told me this, said that the reason why things are getting extinct is because Allah is busy rolling back the scroll of creation because proper worshipfulness among human beings is dying out. Just like the Hopi shaman's view was that he helped the sun across the sky, our worshipfulness vindicates existence and keeps the whole of the creational drama alive. There would be no purpose for the creational drama 
if we were not being worshipful, if there weren't worshipful human beings in existence. So consider the implications of this for a moment. Every time you do a sajda, that sajda is the essence of worshipfulness. That sajda is the reason why all things have happened since the Big Bang. And if these sajdas are no longer happening, there's no reason for things to exist. We are busy with an immense project. We are busy with the project of creation itself, the vindication of creation itself. There isn't, in fact, a higher project. Understanding this elevates your individual life and the mediocrity and the, uh, the pettiness of your individual life to something of stupendous and cosmic imp uh, implications. You don't go to Salah fundamentally, even for your own good. You go to Salah because it's a dance that is actually almost keeping alive the heartbeat of existence, the existence as we know it. Your life, your worship, your Salah is something of stupendous import. It is something of, of incalculable implication. This is why we are diligent with our Salah. This is why we do what we need to do at the time that we need to do it. Because this keeps the whole creational drama going. You don't do your Salah, or let me rephrase this, doing, doing your Salah in fear of the authority in the Zawiyah is selling yourself short. This, it's the same Salah that happens outwardly whether you're doing it because you're compelled to do it or whether you're doing it because you choose to do it because you know that by doing it, you're busy with a really extraordinary project. Outwardly, it's the same salah, the same bending of the knees, the same bowing, the same process, the same thing's happening. But the one, when you're doing it purely because you're being forced, is the, 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 uh, the, the meager offerings of, 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 uh, of somebody who's behaving at best like a petty trader. Hmm. I'm doing this so that I can get some benefit, get some benefit for a room in the Zawiya, get some benefit in Akhira, whatever the benefit is. The second one is the magnificent act of a warrior who has 
dedicated his life to a magnificent cause which raises his life and the implication of his life to something of cosmic importance. Please choose the latter. In Allah, our Malaikatu, we salute the Nabiyyah, who are the Nabiyyah, who are the Nabiyyah, اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد عبدك ورسولك نبينا وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين